It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly college basketball edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital commerce editor with Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com and Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. Each week we talk some college basketball. Um, and while, Chad, I'm going to put you to the back burner for a minute because your team still isn't playing and we hope they're going to See you guys in a while. Week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will start with Rick because Xavier did play on Saturday. And before we get to the game, what is the real story on Jason Carter? Can you help? Are you talking about the getting left behind from a bathroom? Correct. This is a troll account. That's great. That, uh, yeah, that no, none of that is real. Um, they're the same ones who, what was the UC story that they put out there, Chad, that people ran with? Uh, I don't even remember. Well, there was a UC story head. around the shootout, I believe, or maybe right after. So, um, so the, hang on, the best part of this is I'm driving to a luncheon today and <laughs> Actually, ESPN is reporting it like news. And oh, like, my God. <laughs> that can't be right. I, I know didn't realize story. it got that bad. Yeah. Oh, yes, it did. By far, it got that bad. Unbelievable. This is like the second or third time now he's gotten multiple media outlets to fall for it. And the whole if you scroll through the timeline, like all of it is just trolling. That's great. But yet no one picks up on it. Yeah. Marcus I, I, Walters. I, I, that's fabulous. That's yeah. a, a, outstanding. All right. As far as on the court, been a long time since Xavier had played. It's been a really long time since UC's played and will be longer, but we'll get to them in a second. Um, just your takeaways from yesterday, other than Paul Scruggs was great. I know Zach Fremantle struggled. Um, Adam Kunkel was good. It was, was Did it surprise you, especially going on the road or no? Well, it surprised me that they were so sharp in the first half on offense. I just, you know, I mean, maybe it shouldn't because they were pretty good the last time that they had a little disruption or interruption or however you want to put that. Uh, but this one was more extended. And I just think when you're talking about 20 days off, even if you've practiced leading up to the game, it seems unlikely that you'd have a great shooting performance or that you'd be real efficient, at least to start off the game. So the fact that they played so well in the first half on the offensive end surprised me. The fact that they beat Butler didn't really at all, just right. because watching the film beforehand and doing my matchups article, it was pretty clear that this matchup favored Xavier. It's a really good matchup for them. You know, Can we be pretty- clear about one thing? Yes. Practice practice doesn't matter. That's what's clear to me. Practice does not matter. <laughs> that might outside, be true. Outside of a five-minute stretch in the second half, Xavier won this game by 35 points. There was nothing about this game that was close outside of Butler hitting some shots in a four minute stretch. Yeah, it was this like was right, an ass kicking right it's a 30 the, point game right inside the 15 minute mark. I thought Xavier hit a wall where it seemed yeah. like everything just stagnated and they were a step slow on defense and Butler started hitting some shots. And you're right. I mean, they they cut it back to four somehow. And then Paul Scruggs just took over and ended it right there. This is a 30 point game. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't. I think this is as good of a matchup as there is in the conference. And and granted, everybody's been having their way with Butler because, quite honestly, they just lack top end Big East talent. They've got a lot of guys that would either be stars at the mid major level or just solid role players at this level, but they don't have one guy that's a standout. Who who did they just beat at home like a week or two ago? Creighton. Creighton? They yeah, got Creighton thought, every yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, granted, I mean, you're still talking about a Big East, a top right. 100 type team. Like That's my point. You still got to go win the game, right? I mean, they cut cut it to four. They're dangerous. They've got some guys who can play. They're not bad, but it's just that they lack a guy that can go win them the game like Paul Scruggs did for Xavier. 
All right, in this goofy year, and it's goofy. I mean, it's completely goofy. Um, and it's still, there's still a month plus-ish to be played, whatever that means, because I'm not sure what that means any longer. Five weeks, I guess. Where can Xavier get to from a seed perspective? Because we haven't even thought about that, talked about that, fathomed that, because it's just been so goofy. Where might they get to, Rick? It's an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know how you handle, like, talking about seeds from four to 10 right now, you know, or maybe even four to eight is more, more. Yeah. 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 It's because probably, yeah, you get yeah. down to 10, you're talking more bubble teams. I think Xavier's correct. definitely clearly off that right yeah. now. Yes. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, I think how do you separate some of these teams that just haven't played near the same amount of games or have very unbalanced schedules right now? I'm not exactly sure, but I think, I mean, I think right now I'd feel comfortable saying they're somewhere between seven, eight, or nine. That and high? I think, and I think they have the upside of a uh, five, maybe even four. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I shouldn't say that high. High or low depends on where I'm talking. I'm thinking they're in that four, five, six range at this point. Chad, am I crazy? I mean, I probably. <laughs> like, it, it, you know, I, I think it's still a little ways, maybe a week or two out from really having a good feel for that. Pro- because this, pro- probably right. Because probably this Xavier team has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde at times. And I think teams but, will play more games over the next. I think we're going to get to the point where we're going to see this get back to some level of normalcy, I think. Yeah, and as teams play more games, then you get, you know, a better feel for things. But I, I don't know. I think we're we're kind of maybe jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit after playing well against a Butler team. That's not very good. And Rick, you know, exactly what he tweeted to troll UC fans. I I really do not remember. I seriously cannot remember, but I know it was funny and I know people ran with it. I asked UCLA head coach Mick Cronin who he's, who he's rooting for in the crosstown shootout. Xavier that, was his response. That's right. I, I knew it was good. I really did not remember, but that, that is fantastic. I mean, people <laughs> ran with <laughs> that ran national media outlets. Ran with yeah. That. Yeah, hardcore. They ran with that. Now, I, as soon as you like, it took me a second, but yeah, it was him saying Mick was rooting for Xavier, which which was brilliant. Uh, and they brilliant. were also yes. the same guys that ordered the cameo from Mick Cronin to congratulate Travis on winning a city championship, and they, they acted like it was their little brother Travis. And then as soon as Xavier won the crosstown shootout, they posted a video of Mick Cronin congratulating Travis on winning the city championship. Yeah. So I mean, so these guys well are, played. Yeah, it's it, it's CapEx and those guys, right? Yeah, shout out to CapEx, Andy Pick. I mean, th- these guys are are high level trolls. Xavier Xavier's fan base from where I started this thing when they were the Xavier way and they were like more nauseating than Butler fans to what Xavier fans are now, where they are like the biggest trolls in the game and just overwhelmingly obnoxious on that side of things, is a stunning transformation. It is it is as much of a one eighty as a fan base can do. I mean, you go from the Xavier way to zip them up. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> really good. Uh, what do you think of Paul Scruggs and Adam Kunkel together? I think it looks pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think if, if Paul Scruggs plays like that and doesn't turn the ball over and makes plays like he was and was that efficient, you play him at the point, I think. I think he's your best option at the point now. And then Adam Kunkel really gives you a guy with just great IQ next to him who can go get his own shot. Like, that's the one thing that's underrated about Adam Kunkel. People talk about him being a shooter, and he's a good field guy and all that stuff. But one-on-one, he can just create separation and get a shot sometimes, especially when a play is, like, breaking down. And I thought he did a great job of that in the first half of this game. And he played a little point guard. 
Yeah, he's. I mean, he has great feel. He can handle it. He can pass. The one thing about him yesterday was he got sloppy and kind of careless with his passes. He he threw well, four balls some, away for he, no reason. He, he tried to throw some ridiculous like. And then there was one in the second half during the Butler run. He tried to throw like a one-handed, almost kind of like that faux no look that guys try to throw now that is never going to be completed in a division one game. You get away with that against Dixie Heights and Beachwood. You don't get away with that at that level. And I'm sure he did. At, I'm uh, sure once he upon did. a time, but I'm sure he did. I, in fact, yeah, he, I know he did. Cause I watched it. He was a little careless with his passes. I thought in yesterday's game, I mean, all four of his turnovers were him just throwing the ball away. That was in a situation that was totally unavoidable. And, and quite honestly, the coaching staff will probably tell him like, you can't do that. So um, he'll tighten that up. I mean, it's, it's easy to forget that, he was coming here to redshirt to get stronger right, and, and right. get acclimated to this level of play. And he really hasn't played all that much yet because he didn't, he wasn't available for the first few weeks of the season. So he's still feeling it out. All right. Where, where did things, oh, he was with- feeling it. All right. He's trying to throw one handed <laughs> passes across the middle of the lane with four guys in the way he was feeling it. That's for sure. Yeah, that, that gets you that gets you a plus minus where you look up and you're like, I had a really good game. Yeah, you're minus seven. Uh, have a good day. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so where do things stand with Kiki Tandy? I don't think they've changed a whole lot. Um, I, I think the situation is that he is only getting a few minutes at a time, and that's a really tough spot to be in, especially when you're a guy who wants to be a prolific scorer and a volume scorer who wants to get a lot of shots up. I think the issue for him is, he thinks within those two or three minutes that he's going to get, he needs to cram in as many shots as possible and show the team that he can get hot <laughs> and score for them. And reality, he needs to look at it as like, I'm a walk on right now. Right. Like I need All to right. go in and not screw up and play defense and, and work the ball. And hopefully I'll earn three more minutes then later on. If I show I can be solid. I think that's more what they're looking for because they don't, they're not in desperate need of a shooter and scorer on the wing anymore. Like they can go play Adam Kunkel and the fact that he's giving them significantly better defense than Kiki Tandy is at this point, that's on Kiki. There's no reason for, I mean, Kiki has the better physical tools than Adam Kunkel. So that's really just on him at this point that he's, he's letting other guys take his minutes. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, it was interesting. I, I was listening to a little bit. I can't remember what show. I, I, I Chad might have even run it on on Cincy 360, but I think Mo might have run it on ESPN 1530. But I was listening to one one day this week, and it was a Zoom interview with with uh, Travis Steele and Adam Baum from the Inquirer asked about Kiki. Is he healthy? Is he back? And he said, Yeah, he's back to practicing. He's working really hard, and that was it. And I went. Oh, that's not a very good comment. I mean, I get what you're doing. You're not trying to damn the kid, but I thought if you really believed in the kid still, you'd give a, Hey, he's playing great. He's had some great practices. Not he's working really hard. And that to me went, "Mm, that's not good. And I think that's where we're at. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's a sophomore. It's not like his career is over. He can certainly come back from this. At Xavier it is, you know, I mean, I guess the issue for him is there they have continued to bring in talented pieces and those guys are now taking the minutes available for him. So he needs to beat one of them out. I mean, like Adam Kunkel is kind of taking a lot of those available minutes that would have been his uh, Colby Jones is taking a lot of those minutes. They're not at the exact same position, but, no, but ultimately yeah. when you're talking about backcourt spots and you have versatile pieces like Kunkel Scruggs and, Johnson, you can move him around a little bit. So you're all sharing the same pool of minutes at that point. And he's just, he isn't out playing those newcomers. Uh, Rick, is there, is there anything, is there anything right? I mean, there's nothing right now that Kiki Tandy provides that Adam Kunkel doesn't. And there's, 
multiple things that Adam Kunkel does that Kiki Tandy to this point doesn't have in his bag. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, that's the situation. Then on the flip side of it, it's like you're getting more defensively from Dwan Odom. You're getting more from a run the team and create plays for their teammate standpoint with Dwan Odom. You're getting better ball security with Dwan Odom at point. So that's the problem. You know, the guys that are that he should be beating out in practice because he has a year head start on them. He's not beating those guys out. So what are you left to do as a coaching staff? Because you do have some depth in this backcourt. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, let, let's go to your team, Chad, the uh, UC Bearcats, who haven't played since uh, 2016, I believe. Um, so good for them. They're going to play hopefully this week. I, so so where are we? So we're, we're playing Temple in Philly. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. How about that one? So, so hang on. So, so not to cut you off, but I am going to cut you off. So I had a guy I saw yesterday in, in a random spot who, who is a, um, he's a camera operator. He's a freelance camera operator who does games. And he saw me and he's done some games for me at the high school level, et cetera, um, on TV. And we were just talking and he said, yeah, thank goodness you see playing this week at home. I said, oh, I don't think they are, man. He goes, yeah, Thursday, they're playing Temple. I go, mm, you better double check that. This was yesterday, mind you. I said, I don't think that's right. And I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong and I could be wrong. It's OK. I, I'm wrong a lot. And I said, OK, well, good luck. And, and hopefully you get that game in. So, yes, it's in Philly, correct? Yeah, so midstream, the American Athletic Conference has decided that if you have a road game canceled and it doesn't, it's unlikely that that game is going to be made up, then the upcoming game, because every it's a round robin in, right. the, in the AAC this year, then if the second game hasn't been played, which is supposed to be your home game, the opponent gets to choose whether it's home or away. What? Yeah, yeah that's a big, yeah. One. That's a big one. Yeah, what? We don't want to play. So they are, they Let's are travel. They are penalizing teams for getting COVID. Yes. What that's kind crazy. of low major psycho stuff is that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, so that game was supposed to be at UC, but because the first game at Temple was postponed due to UC having COVID issues. Temple got the pick. Uh, and of course they, they picked a home game. Sure. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason you would pick a road game is if you're, if you're, if you're what, Houston, if you're stupid, if you're, no, if you're Houston and you, oh, need, and you want an RPI you need, or whatever, yeah, if you, boost. Need, if you need net points, yeah, good, good, net yeah, good games, points. Yeah. Good call. Then, or, or if you're SMU or Wichita, which are the two teams that, could maybe get on the bubble, probably right. not. But those are the only two options where I could maybe see a team picking a road game. Like if you had Tulane on your schedule, who the hell cares if you're playing at Tulane or if you're playing at your place? So you play them on the road and hope it's a tier three instead of a tier four. Something right. Like yeah. that. That's a, that's a good that's a good point. Great point. Yeah. That's the only reason you would you would do it. And here's my thing with that: if that was something that was was put in place in September. October. Okay. Like I wouldn't have agreed with it at that point, but it, at least it would have been hashed out. At least it would have been something that everybody knew was coming. This was apparently put into place last week and UC temple being moved to temple is the first instance of that rule being put into action. Is there a, a justification or a reasoning for no. this that I'm missing? Uh, other than 
you know, they they are punishing the team that got COVID for having to forfeit uh, and give up, you know, a, a home game for Temple. Oh, so like maybe the idea would be take any incentive out of canceling a game that you otherwise might be able to play. Like if a well, team but, were to use that for nefarious Rick, reasons. Yeah, but are teams doing that? No, I don't think no. so. Yeah. Here's the messed up thing. It is the American Athletic Conference medical staff that is determining whether games get played or not. UC is not making the decision to not play games. That is coming from the medical staff at the American. They are making that decision with all the information coming from UC's medical team. And then UC gets punished because they're trying to properly handle a COVID outbreak. And that game Thursday, now here's the other crazy part about it. The two games before uh, they went on pause were on the road. Now with Temple being on the road, they go at Temple, at Tulane, six o'clock Sunday. I'll let you guys figure out. Oh yeah, I know. I, I I heard you. That's the crazy on Super Bowl Sunday. They're gonna play Tulane. And no offense, and I'm so sorry to tell you guys this. I don't care about that game, Chad. Sorry. Why? Why? It's on ESPN plus plus. Yes. At six o'clock. Why couldn't? It's the. It's. I'm trying not to drop F-bombs here. You couldn't do it at 4 o'clock? You couldn't do it at 2? You couldn't do right. it at whatever? Yeah, I mean, 6 o'clock. I, I'm not going to get to watch maybe the most interesting and compelling Super Bowl in the history of the NFL. It's the craziest because, thing ever. Because I've got to watch UC at Tulane. I, and do you actually have off. to? Yeah, he has to. I think he has to. I, it's sad. I think you can pull it off. Put it on tape to like. I don't think anyone's going to be that mad if, like, you know, you don't have a recap up right away or something. Over, yeah, a, probably not. That's you a see good Tulane point. game at this point. That's that's, that's where you see seasons at. I'm still going to have to be at the press conference and ask questions afterwards. Yeah, right in the middle of the first half of the Super Bowl. Uh, no, I, I, I skinny. hate to, eight eight thirty. That's forty five. All right, that's at halftime. That's what. That's when. That's when uh, you get the weekend doing his thing. That's the middle of the third quarter. Nah, two and a half hours, nah, two nah, hours nah, nah, not based on commercial time. Nah, you, you, you're, you're in the middle of the weekend. You're going to miss the weekend. I hope you, you're, you're not sad by missing the weekend. I know I'm not sad by missing the weekend because I'll miss the weekend, but you're going to miss the weekend. You the okay week- with that? The weekend at U.S. Bank Arena is one of the best concerts I've gone to. I'm I hear he's really you. good live. I hear he's really fantastic. good, honestly. Fantastic. I'm going to punch you through. I'm going to punch you through the microphone. But Why? I what's it. wrong with the weekend? He makes sex know. music. There's right. nothing wrong with that. It's all good. It's a it's big sex good. guy. Good point. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Good. That's a good. Call. That's a good call. Um, so yeah, but but skinny five games in a row on the road because of this decision by the American Athletic Conference. It's a little nutty. There's no question. I want to go back to the press conference thing. I don't think any of your questions are going to be that damn good. I say just watch the Super Bowl. Maybe like Here's, double screen. It. How how good would that be if nobody showed up on the Zoom press conference? That would be awesome. That would actually be awesome. The only reason I, I I don't want to do that is it's not UC's fault. No, good it, point. Good point. That's very professional if it was, of you. If it was UC, like I would make a, you know me, I'm not afraid to make a point. If it was something that that UC did that was dumb like that, I I would be perfectly fine with making a point. It's not UC's fault. This is ESPN Close. making a decision. Uh, let me hold on. <laughs> He's fired up about this. Yes, he is. 
So this is completely something that ESPN has decided. All right, let me get to which I don't understand upcoming. why. I just don't understand why. All right, here we go. Sunday, February 7th, men's college basketball. There is a Navy versus American at noon oh, on ESPN plus. It's Jeff Jones, son of, of Bob Jones, former Campbell County coach for American, but keep going. Uh, Morgan State versus Howard at 12.05 on ESPN+. Plus. Tyler Dragon went to Howard, who works for the uh, Inquirer and covers the Bengals, so there's a tie there. Keep going. I'm, I'm going to get Electric a tie into everyone. Yes. At, yeah. at one, Boston U versus Colgate. Well, Boston U was coached by Rick Pitino at one point. What else do I need to say there? Keep going. 2 p.m. window, Drake versus Valpo. Drake's undefeated. Valpo, terrible, but okay. Ter- terrible, just lost to Evansville today by 20, which actually clinched a win for me in a league I'm in, but go ahead. Also at 2 o'clock, Lafayette, Lehigh. Ooh, that's one I can't give you anything on. I Damn. got nothing. I got nothing. Florida A&M, NC Central. Well, Florida A&M was uh, uh, Ken Riley, who should be in the Hall of Fame, was a Bengals cornerback. He played at Florida A&M. Keep going. Evansville, Loyola, Chicago. Well, Evansville just Evansville just won a league for me today, and Loyola had a guy named Paul McMillan, who was a local guy, uh, high school wise, who played there, and his son now is a local high school star. Big game on ESPNU at three. Temple, Wichita State. Now, Wichita State had a drunk for a, a coach's wife and a goof for a coach, so that's what I get. And they also had um, Antoine Carr back in the day. Back to uh, ESPN Plus three thirty, Army Holy Cross. Army had a guy named Matt Wilson, who you guys might remember, played at Campbell County, was a really good player, and Jordan Fox, who played at Dixie Heights for a short period of time, then went back down to the mountains. So there we Forgot go. about him. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm following, that, following that Temple-Wichita State game, a rerun of North Carolina Duke from God knows when on ESPN. Doesn't matter to me. They're all good games. I mean, you can get back to the Phil Ford days for all I care because I love Phil Ford in the four corners. So keep going. We're good. So uh, four o'clock on ESPN three, a couple of games. I don't know the difference between ESPN three and ESPN plus. Yeah, there's probably not much. Southern Illinois, Bradley and Indiana State, Northern Iowa. Those dude, are, you, those you, are four dude, o'clock games. You can't hate the Valley. Never hate the Valley. Yeah, Bradley's love actually good. Love the Valley. Yeah, I love the Valley. And and Cincinnati Tulane is the last game scheduled. I don't know anything uh, about either day. one of those. That's the one thing I don't even want anything about either one of those teams, other than I think Tulane had a big point shaving scandal back in the day. And UC had some guy that uh, ended up averaging a triple-double back in the early 60s in the NBA, and I can't think of his name, but he was really good. Though, I think he played locally. Did he really? I can't I can't remember his name. I wish I could. So there I, we go. I actually – it was funny, Rick, when I, I put up uh, the like the Mount Rushmore of, of Cincinnati sports one day. I put Oscar on there and, and uh, a certain person that runs a large media conglomerate in town thought he was going to get me and was like, I don't know, three years of Oscar. I don't know if that's – quite enough to put him on the Mount Rushmore of Cincinnati sports. And I was like, Oh, what? You know, how, how about the eight years that he played for the Royals? Yeah. Well, how about the fact that he's one of the greatest <laughs> basketball players of his generation period end of story? Come on. Now. <laughs> well, he was trying to like, he was trying to get me like it's your UC bias. Yeah. It's putting him, putting him up there, but he forgot that he spent most the large chunk of his NBA and career. Chad, whether you had a UC bias or not, um, I was still was right there. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, he was, he was, he was okay. All right. So last question for you on UC and I, and it ties a little to Xavier because obviously Xavier was dealing with the same stuff, 
But you see, I think a little different because they're just trying to get things right, trying to get things going in the right direction, trying to move things towards next year, right or wrong. Um, how much does the lack of practice time hurt them as they're trying to get things it's right? It's brutal because here's here's where this has been so bad for UC is that every time there's a light at the end of the tunnel, it ends up being a train. So they, they go three or four days and they get back to that window where they're ready to get back to practice. Right. right? And then somebody else pops positive. Now they have to pause for two or three more days. Then they get back into that window where, you know, maybe they'll have individual workouts for the guys that are okay. And then the next day somebody pops positive. But and there's no, but, there's, but the thing is there's, 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 for three there's, weeks, but there's no game speed. There's no, it's, no, 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 no. It's totally different. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they, they've had like two practices since they played Wichita state That's 21 days ago. Wow. So it's brutal because you were actually, things weren't close to right. Correct. But you were getting Zach Harvey to start playing a little better and, and starting to show some of his potential. David DeJulius was picking up, you know, six, seven assists a game. He was getting the feel of being a point guard for this program. You know, Keith Williams still, the foul trouble has made things really difficult for him, but he was still having stretches where he was playing really well and you were starting to maybe get a little bit more consistency from him. And then it just all gets scrapped. And what we don't know, because teams aren't releasing, we don't know who's been dealing with it. Well, that's right. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I like if they play Thursday night, and I think at least there's a <laughs> will, will will they? I think there's at least a 50-50 shot that they can now if they play, you have to I think what's the, you have to have seven uh seven seven active guys to play. That's an AAU game. I like it up in there. I think they they would be pretty close to that number. Um, so if they, you know, if the, what we know what's going to happen, right. They're not going to play until Sunday. That's going to no be way. their first game back. There's, there's no way. And as really? their first game back, you have to cover it. Dude, that's a, uh, that's, mo- fair. that's yeah. literally a month since they played a game. Yeah. They, their last game was January 10th. 10th. Same for Xavier until the other day. They, they both played the same yeah, day. So, so if they come back on the seventh, that's, that's. That's four weeks like that. That's a month, man. Yeah. And they're going to have to do it. I I guarantee it'll be shorthanded if they, you know, even, even by then, I don't think they would be back completely cleared of return to play protocols and uh, all the stuff that they need to do. Um, I mean, it, it's unbelievable because even worst case scenario, you never really thought it would get to like this, right? Like, yeah, okay, two, maybe three weeks. But then this slow burn of things not happening in a, in a cluster where we've seen most of this stuff happens in a bit of a cluster. But instead happening like a, you know, a, a, a slow burning forest fire for a month. And it's, I can't imagine what they're going through inside the sixth floor of the Lint Center because I, I it it just seems unfathomable that you go a month from January to February and you have two practices and no games. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've dealt with as a coach at the high school level. I had a, a first, my first week was wiped out. Um, I've had three or four players here or there that I've had to sit out. We've gotten lucky that um, they've been individually quarantined, and I'm not the only program. Trust me, I've dealt with it. I've, I've had, I've had other, I've had three other games canceled where day of I get a call of, hey, sorry, we can't do it because of this. I can't imagine right. at the college level what that's what, what that's like. At my level, hey man, we're just we're just it's it's high school basketball. Let's just roll with it. But at the college level, there's a lot of ramifications for a lot of reasons. It's it's that's brutal. And you've got a young team that needs time together, that needs time on the court, that needs based on the way the season has started, that needs some good things to happen. Right. And that's the part. I mean, you know, don't cancel, don't cancel what and not that it's happened yet. I mean the two lane game should be a win. Don't cancel wins. You need a few wins. I mean, we all, everybody needs a get right game. I don't care who you are. Everybody needs that. Well, they had three of them and all three got wiped out. Well, right. There you when, go. Right. When this happened. Right. You had ECU temple and Tulane. Right. And that, and that's brutal. That is brutal. Um, it ain't fun. Good. No, ain't nobody good. having fun. Not good. Not good. All right, let me get back to you. Um, there's not much to talk about on the UK front. They uh, they had the Texas game canceled. Um, they got beat by Alabama because Alabama's better, and there's that. So I'm not even sure what else I want to do with UK. Um, but I want to get to NKU, Rick, where they're playing. Can really- we get can we get one thing on on UK? Sure. Can we put to bed this notion that like, well, they they missed their chance to to jump back into the tournament conversation by not getting to play Texas. Yeah, UK I heard that. one I, shot to make no, the NCAA dude, tournament. Dude, dude, dude I heard that to win the SEC tournament. Co- Thank you. That's a good correct. point. No, correct. And I heard, I heard some people say that too, and I went, "Wait a minute, they're five and ten. They, okay, yes, you're right. They might have missed it because Texas would have been a good win if they had won out. They're not going to win they out. They have to have still won every correct. every other game. Correct. Probably also including the entirety of the SEC tournament. Yes, well, maybe not the entirety. If they'd have won out, they might have gotten to 19 wins at that point. You're like, okay, they, they, they've done maybe enough. But yes, that was the craziest thing I heard of. Boy, it really sucks for Kentucky because they can't play Texas and might have cost them the NCAA tournament. It's Wait, just a how? dumbass storyline. Oh my gosh, how? Who? I mean, I, I, just, I heard that I heard, over, I heard, and over. Guys, I heard that on multiple levels and I thought, what What are we talking? Who's, who's People were dead this? serious when they said it too. Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I, I was I was show prepping because I had 360 at noon on, on Friday, right? You know, that story broke at what, like 11, 15 Friday? Yeah, yes, correct. And every, like multiple national people were like, that's too bad. That was Kentucky's chance to get back in the tournament conversation. The CBI? What are we doing? Well, anybody, anybody can get the CBI. How about Kentucky versus North Carolina Central in the CBI? I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That'll you might sad. get Kentucky, Michigan State in the CBI. Well, uh, I'm gonna, guys, I, I, hang, hang on, hold on. I want to get to that topic here in just a little I got, bit. I got some bad news for you. You ain't getting a CBI this year. That's a good point. That's a good <laughs> well, point. yeah, that's that's a good point, too. I, I, I actually, uh, it's Damn a great it. point, Chad. Uh, I want to get to that point here in just a second, but I want to get to NKU. Rick, um, okay. a lot of stuff's going right right now. Uh, and, and, and why is that? And how optimistic are you, especially because over the weekend, I think on Friday, same day, the Kentucky game got canceled. I think Friday, maybe Thursday, I, my days mix up the horizon league released pairings for the conference tournament, which makes me think they're thinking about having it and hopefully having it. So where do you fall with NKU right now? 
we can talk about the conference tournaments more later. In fact, I think that's going to be my final take. Okay. But as far as NKU season goes, I mean, look, you lose back-to-back series to Cleveland State and IUPUI, the IUPUI series being at home. It's about as bad as it gets in this conference. Yep, get in the water. I think everybody felt pretty bad about where things were after that. And for the team to come out the way they did at Robert Morris and didn't look like a team that was struggling or didn't look like a team that was unsure of themselves, they played really confidently. They 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 executed game plans. You know, they they made plays down the stretch, including that overtime game on Saturday at Robert Morris. That was impressive enough for me. But then to come back and beat a UIC team that, quite honestly. It does not seem like a good matchup for NKU to me in terms of personnel. Now, their style of play is interesting because with Luke Yaklich, they have completely sold out. It's not that they want to contest your three-pointers. It's that they want to take them away completely. Like, they will not let you shoot threes. They encourage you to drive to the basket. And it's not like they have elite shot blockers at the rim or anything. And NKU's strength this year is they have a couple guys who can make plays off the bounce and get to the basket, and they're not a great shooting team. So it played into NKU's favor in terms of the, the style of play, but in terms of the personnel, long athletic teams have given this NKU team trouble. And that's exactly what UIC is. I think if you talk to any coach in the conference, they feel UIC is as scary as any team not named Wright state, just because they have some individual talents and so much length uh, that, that they can go off at any time and give you a lot of trouble, especially with the amount of three pointers they shoot. All right. So on Saturday, NKU controlled the game almost throughout falls behind late comes back to win it. What does that say to you about this team that again, they controlled it. It looked like they were going to maybe win by double digits at one point. I know that's early enough, but still they were playing great, making shots, defending, rebounding. They were getting contributions from a lot of different guys. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's, Oh, you could lose this game. And yet they found a way to win. And to me, that always tells me something. Cause you know what? Not every game's pretty. Not every game's the way it's scripted. Not every game's the way where you're like, hey, we're playing great. We're up 12 and we're playing great. And all of a sudden you look up and, oh, crap, we could lose. And yet they found a way to win. Yeah, I mean, if this was Darren Horn's fourth or fifth year and he had a loaded squad that was the favorite to win the conference, then I would be like, well, you probably shouldn't give up a 13-point lead in the second half. And, and you know, it, they should win that game. But with this young team, we expect them to face adversity. We expect them to give up a lead in the second half. That's not shocking to see that. And you're right. I think the fact that they were able to overcome that and make the plays and execute late game situations, once again, now back-to-back weekends, they've been able to do that. They did it earlier in the season against Purdue Fort Wayne in the Saturday game. Um, and then the first game against Ball State at home, they they won on a late game situation. So the fact that they've shown the ability to execute, Marquez Warwick has been a big part of that. He is, is supremely confident as a freshman. And then Bryson Langdon was really the guy down the stretch on, on Saturday where back-to-back. And made the game. And, and made the game game winner yeah back-to-back plays he, he tied it up and then had the game winner and it was the same exact play which was basically Darren Horn just calling his number he called for a, a screen over on the left side that was just a total distraction and had Bryson reject it and go one-on-one to the rim and he found a way to score both times so it just really impressive stuff and, and again I felt like in the Robert Morris series they showed maturity and some growth. And it was just great to see that carry over into the weekend series against UIC. All right. Just so it proves that I listened to your broadcasts. um, I was driving. I had a couple high school games I did on Saturday and I was driving in between broadcasts and doing some other things. So I listened to the, I listened to the full first half of your broadcast with Jim before I had to go to Princeton to do a a boys high school game, Princeton Lakota West. And I, 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 I think you've actually said this before, but it hit home with me where I just shook my head and went, wait, what? And the, the thing was, 
Adam Alita has tried nothing but a three-pointer this year. Is that right? Oh, yeah, that's correct. Adam Alita <laughs> is 21 for 50 from the field, and all of them are three-pointers. Last year in his first season at NKU, he attempted three two-pointers compared to 92 three-pointers. Okay, that, that's insane to me for this reason, because if that's a kid doing that, I would think the scattering report would say chase him off the line. And occasionally you'd have a bust out layup or a ball fake, right? You'd have a ball fake where you get a guy to go around and you see a free lane to the rim and you go to the rim and I get today's basketball, but that is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Well, there's a few guys like that that are just specialists and that's their game. And here's the funny thing with this NKU team, what they need is actually a shooter that the defense respects that they will run out at. So it creates a little movement and puts the defense in a scramble situation occasionally. So him being out of the lineup for a few games with a a quad injury actually really hurt NKU. Their offense has moved much better and, and, and just flowed better with him on the court since he's been back. No, I, when you guys said that, I actually laughed out loud because I, I, I swear I think either it's on this podcast or the one you and I do in the, during the week that you brought that up, and I, I kind of jogged my memory. I went, oh, that's right, but that still can't be right today, can it? That he's not taking anything but a three. I that's mean, uh, occasionally you run into, you got to admit, you got you run into a layup, right? You just do. I don't know that they want him putting the ball on the floor ever. So it, Dude, it would really have to be in transition. Be, there has to be like a back tip to a throw out to a layup. Doesn't there? Well, yeah, but you also have to put yourself in those positions sometimes. And yeah. I'm not sure that's exactly his game. Although I do think he has given them a nice boost since he's been back. All right. That's a good point. I'm going to let you say, then if you wanted that to be your final take, I'll let you say that. Cause I was going to ask you a question about the conference sermon at NKU. So I'll let you say, well, we can talk about NKU as specifically, but I mean, just in terms of conference tournaments oh, in okay. general, no, yeah. I was just saying, but so in this league where it is a one bid league, it's obviously important for NKU cause they're not getting, nobody's getting there. Otherwise, I guess, unless they give the, the champion, the, the bid, do you think it happens? Because they, they put they put the bracket out. Now, that doesn't mean it's right. It may just be, you know, PR spin. But they did put the bracket out, not for the specific teams, but the way it's going to shape itself out bracket-wise. I, I, I was optimistic that that made me think they want to have this tournament, right? Yeah, I don't share your optimism, unfortunately. Okay. I right. mean, it's okay. nice that they put it out, but I the my final take was going to be that the more that I've thought about this stuff after talking to some some coaches and you know staffers within college basketball at, at different levels, not just well, I heard, the low I, I, major heard, or mid major level. Yeah, I, I heard you say that the other day on the radio, and I understand what you're saying, but I, I, I part of me thought that that's maybe bigger leagues, maybe a league like this where you're going campus site, campus site. Well, I'll be honest, on-site semis, on-site finals. Could you pull that off? I would like to think so. And quite honestly, if you're not playing a conference tournament at NKU's level, at the Horizon League level, what are we really doing here? Like, why did we just go through that season? It's all about getting that opportunity to play in that tournament. So um, that would be really unfortunate, I think, if they took it away. But what is the one thing that we have said? from the beginning about this college basketball season is get to the tournament, get to the NCAA tournament. They are going to play an NCAA tournament. And it would seem to me that playing conference tournaments would really put the NCAA tournament at risk, given what we've seen throughout this season and what we know about how this all works and the the protocols in place and, and what you need to clear to be able to play a game. Chad, let me let you chime in on that. What do you think about that conference tournaments? Yay or nay? I'm, I'm so torn. Like I've gone back and forth on how I think this happens. I, you know, 
<clears throat> I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I think it's likely we see like a condensed version of conference tournaments, but what, what does Houston have to gain from playing the American athletic conference tournament? All right. So, uh, what so it, that, uh, hang on. That's a good question. So if, if you have them and I know what you're, what if, what happens if they opt out? What do you do with them? Put them in the NCAA tournament. Right. Like they, you, like they belong. Then we haven't looked skinny. We haven't seen a bump from the American athletic conference tournament for a team. Fair since enough. The American athletic conference started. Right. What fair enough. Houston game. And, and, and Dan Gabbett this week was on a podcast. I think it was with Andy Katz. It might've been with Jeff Goodman. Katz usually does the NCAA stuff. So I'm guessing it was Katz. And he basically said, look, he was asked what happens. The team shows up and they're positive. And he said, look, this is the NCAA tournament. We're not pausing competition. We're not night, waiting night, night, night. for anyone. You done. So why would Houston go and play in this conference tournament and put themselves at more risk with everything that has to happen as opposed to bubbling up in Houston, waiting, and then going to Indianapolis? Hell, go to Indianapolis the week and a half early if you have to and bubble up there and wait for the tournament to start. I, I don't, I don't see the benefit for a team like Houston. Uh, of course, there's a benefit for probably everybody else in the American athletic conference. Cause none of them are going to get an automatic right, or going right, to get a, right. uh, an at large bid. So everybody else is going to want to play a conference tournament. Um, I, but the problem is what we need to find out specifically how much money is on the line for these games to be on ESPN? How much money does and you're talking conference the horizon? Yes, conference tournament. How much money does the horizon get for their semis and finals being right. on ESPN? Because if it is a, a a decent portion of the budget, guess what? We are at least going to get semis and finals right. uh, of those conference tournaments, or we're going to get finals of the tournaments okay. that 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 don't you know you're going to put your one and two if that's what it needs to be done. For some of those leagues that, that you play your one versus your two, it's a one-game deal, one-game shot, and you go play your one versus two, and the winner gets in, then that's what's going to happen. All right, so hear me out on this, guys. So and your point's well taken. So the horizon is going campus, campus, semis at wherever it is, and finals. Could, uh-huh. could the American and the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12, could they go campus, campus, semis, finals, and feel comfortable? I'm not I don't saying think you're going to feel comfortable about anything. Yeah, well, I'm not good, saying it's impossible. I, mean, good, I think good, good, it's a good point, but yes, go ahead. Anything is up for debate at this point. I mean, I think they're they're going to talk about all those ideas, everyone that we've mentioned and including this one. The, the other part of my argument, though, where I was at is like, I, I agree with you that the Horizon League would like to play it and it it's meaningful for them to have it, but is it going to be that way for the big East and the sec and the eight, like where are they going to be at on it? And if they start canceling it, then is it just going to be like what happened in March where it's such a, you know, one, one conference does it, then another, then another. And then it's like, okay, well, we're not going to play it. If they're not going to play it right before the NCAA tournament, no one should play it. Well, but then, that's but, but kind then, of but more then they what all, I see happening. But Rick, then they all canceled anyway. I mean, the whole thing was canceled at that point anyway. Well, so yeah, I, but, I but this is different. But, well, I mean, it is different, obviously, but I just think that whole trickle down of like, if they're not doing it, we're not doing it. And I there's, just, there's also, there's also precedent for what happens when you don't have conference tournaments. 
because for a long time, there were a lot of leagues that didn't have a conference tournament. The number one seed gets the bid. Right. Yeah, it's right. I mean, right? And, and that's possible. I mean, that's probable. But then where do we go from that point forward? I mean, I, I, I get it, but it just I, I think they do have them. I think they pull it off. I, I, I think they try to pull it off. However, that comes down. Well, look, I'm only probably maybe I 60. think they try. I may be 60-40 on this concept that they won't do it. I've just come to this conclusion over the last week because I've talked to more people, and I just keep no, thinking right, about it. Right. And from what I understand, to, to your point, Chad, I don't think these smaller conferences make squat off of playing conference tournaments. In fact, I think they lose money, especially since they have to host them for, like, the women too. Yeah, good point. Yeah, well, that's why I said if it's, if it's enough, then you, you play one versus two. Or you you stage a final right. four. These are our right. top four seeds. Right, right. And that's yeah, what just they're going to play it out. Just, yeah, just in the interest of fairness. I mean, that's all that is. Right. Good point. I mean. All right. So uh, you brought this up, Chad. Um, this is a year where Michigan State sucks. And Kentucky sucks. And Duke, frankly, sucks. Champions Classic. Who am I missing? There's got to be somebody else I'm missing. There's somebody else that's missing. North Carolina's gotten better. Kansas is not very good, but they've got enough yeah, meat on the they, bone. They, they're probably but, still going to make it. Yeah, but Tennessee was playing terribly, and Tennessee just boat raced them to their place. But the bottom line is the, the ones – I'm talking about some blue bloods that right now aren't just, like, not good. I mean, they suck. Guys, yeah. why, why, I'll start with you, Jet. Why is that? Why, why are we there? Because blue bloods rely on elite freshman talent to take them to the next step. They recruit over the four-year guys, as we've seen and talked about with Kentucky many, many times. They recruit over the guys that could make them good long-term in favor of young talent. Well, guess what? You didn't get a summer. Right. And you, and you got very little of a fall leading up to the season. And what you got was strictly and severely limited. That takes away a ton of opportunity for your team to come together. We're seeing it. It's not just the blue bloods. We're seeing it at Cincinnati with the young team that some sophomores stepping into roles that were going to be, you know, greatly expanded that they maybe weren't ready for the day the season started a freshman class that desperately could have used June, July, August into the seat, the start to the lead up to practice those blue blood teams rely on those elite freshman players to take them from good to great. And we see those teams every year by January and February and into March getting better and better and better. And we are not seeing that this year because right now those teams are still technically in November and December, bringing those freshmen along. We're Brandon Boston. How terrible was Brandon Boston three, four weeks ago? All of a sudden he looks like, you're starting to see what he is supposed to be better, but better, not great, but better. better. No, but, but it, imagine if that was Brandon Boston in November, right? And now he's getting better through December and January and into February. Instead, we're seeing what he should have looked like by maybe the middle of December. All right. So after I'm a couple weeks. So I'm going to throw this out to both of you and I don't care which one of you guys jumps in, but doesn't, ahead, do, doesn't talent usurp all? Does it, does it, shouldn't, does it really matter? I mean, if you're talented, you're talented. Yes. Well, yes and no. I mean, it, it, you need the pieces to fit together. You still, 
I mean, we've we've gone through all this. I don't think I need to get back into the whole idea of like UK doesn't have pieces that fit together, and you no, need to have shooters no, I, and guys I, with I, IQ, and not just talented athletes. So yeah, yeah I mean, Rick, 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 I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just telling you. I mean, it's not just Kentucky. It's it's some no. of the blue bloods are just they're a mess, right? And I you know I don't want to get into everyone's individual roster and what their right. specific no, issue right, is right, in right, terms right, of that, right. but like no talent doesn't usurp all if your pieces don't fit well together. Okay. And your talented okay. pieces aren't the best piece. You know, I mean, Chad hit on a lot of it. I think his answer would be my answer for the most part. The only thing I would add on is that the nature of relying on these one and dones leads to more roster volatility for the reasons Chad yeah. pointed out because you're recruiting over guys because they're not, you know, the sophomores and juniors that were one time a hot prospect are no longer getting minutes. So they're leaving. And that's the other thing is the transfer portal and the nature of the, the way college sports work in terms of if I'm young and I'm not playing early, I need to get out and go somewhere else. Even if I'm an elite guy, I still need to go somewhere else because I need to get on the field as early as possible. That's the way sports work now at the college level, even for the really talented guys. You, right. You so, so Jamar Baker, you Johnny see, he's, he's playing great. He's playing great. Yeah. No. So here's the thing. So those guys that you're talking about, not the guys you just talked about, Chad, but the guys you're talking about, Rick, have those guys in your, in your guys' minds, have they checked out to the point of I'm done. I, I don't need this. Well, I don't think stuff. it, I don't think it's that. I just think with, all of that stuff leads to kind of a perfect storm right now in terms of roster volatility. So I don't think some of these schools have ever seen this world where you're relying on the one and done. You've got kids leaving, even if you're a blue blood, you know, they don't care about the promise of one day being a senior that gets to a final four with you. They want to be on the court as a sophomore or junior. Right, right. So they're leaving. And then I think they're all just dealing with that. I don't want to talk about any of them specifically because they all no. have a little bit different yeah, situations. Fair. But I think that's the biggest thing to me is just the roster volatility but, but, has made this a very delicate situation. And it's very hard to be always good now. But you got to admit, I, I, I'm not sure I've seen this many blue bloods this at the same up. time. Right. Exactly. And I, think that, I think that goes back more to Chad's point about this summer and, you know, the lack of getting to bring those freshmen along, by get, get them used to what is demanded at this level of them. And, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a very different situation for most years. It makes an interesting conversation, Rick, that, that I don't know that I've ever heard anybody have is how much changing the summer changed the game of ba- the game of college basketball, because this stuff didn't used to happen. This used to be how things were like, there were no pra- there was no time on the court together as a team in the summer organized with coaches there were no there was no skill development there was no you know the, the way that that I know that Mick did it he would start with skill development and you can chime in on Mac and Travis start with skill development and then by the end of the 8 week summer period they were doing some 5 on 5 stuff and, and and that puts you so much farther ahead of where you ever were prior to the NCAA opening up the ability to do things in the summer. Um, and, and I think it has been a huge positive change for basketball because it has become more of a year-round thing, not just when you were done, when, the, when you got bounced from, if you didn't make the tournament or you got bounced from the tournament, the next time you were really back together with your team was when school started and you could start doing, you know, two hours of workouts a week or an hour of workouts a week, whatever it was, before the official start of practice. And I know that didn't even exist for a while. It used to be you got when when your season was over, you were done until practice started on October 15th. And allowing this has changed so much because people don't realize teams can actually 
after you get past the final four, you can get back in the gym with your team until your, your, your school year ends. And then you get eight weeks in June and July. And then you, you are back on the court two hours a, a week from the start of school until the official start of practice. Yeah, there's we little have, downtime at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Little down, very little downtime. So we have seen so much change, especially for these one-and-done teams or the elite teams where they bring these guys in as, as early as they can possibly bring them in and they start getting indoctrinated into everything. And that was completely wiped out this year. And, and I think that is the first sign of how different all that has made the sport. Because you know why the Devereaux League was so big? Because guys were just here not doing anything. Well, because they brought Nick Van Exel and a bunch of other dudes that played well, in the no, NBA in, But still, no, you're right. No, you're right. No. I know your point. You know, your point's right. But you I know dude. what those... But look on a you know, on a Saturday where you got a six a.m. Uh, lift and a noon hour workout, you are not wanting to go to Devereaux and run Devereaux Summer League at four thirty that Saturday afternoon. Fair enough. Yeah, and you had what I mean, Chad. You're right. Basically, when you've gone through that full summer program at this point at the Division One level, you've gone through a full preseason of basketball practice. I mean, yeah, it is, absolutely. It is, but, but the other part of it, and I think this is an interesting part from a mental standpoint for the freshmen during those summer practices, it's instructional. The, the coaches aren't quite as intense. They expect you to not understand things. They understand this is the first time you're going through it. You, you do it at a, at a different <laughs> they're, they're, rate. Yeah, yeah, they're not up your ass. They're right. just, they're just you're trying you're to a teach. freshman yes. at that point. Yes. But as soon as you get to that good, first good, good preseason call. practice in September, they, the coaches are different. Like they're yep. right on your ass at all times yep. for everything you screw up. And you've got to be ready right now I hate because coaches. it's a matter of winning I, or losing games at that point. I, I hate coaches in case you're wondering. I hate them. <laughs> coaches suck. They're the worst, Coaches especially the high school ones. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no question. No, but I, I mean, I think Chad brings up an interesting point from that por- that standpoint, not only from a development, but also from a mental standpoint. You know, these freshmen are like, why do these coaches hate me? As, as opposed to, hey, I got used to it. I figured out what not to screw up. And now in September, right. I'm ready for them to yell at me. Like, That's I'm a great ready. point. Good point. So I, I think there's a lot to be said about the, the lack of summer and what that's meant to these teams that rely on the young guys, the one and done talents, even if they have a lot of talent, it still takes time and it is a process and uh, whacking a major part of that process off the summer is, is a different deal. But you guys got to admit the blue blood struggling is crazy to watch, right? Yeah. It's crazy to watch. This whole year has been crazy to watch. If we're being honest, like nothing about it feels normal or right. So I don't um, know. I haven't watched anything in a month, so couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm sure you've watched, <laughs> you, you watched way more than you see, obviously, because they have not played. All right. Um, so um, the last topic before I get to final final takes is our friend Jed DeMusi texted me. He might have texted me too. both of you. Okay. And I thought it was a great question. He didn't text me. I must be on the outside. Yes, You're, out. You're out. You're out. You're <laughs> out. But it's a great question. The late John, or John Chaney died over the, over the last week and never made a final four. Great coach, loved him. Loved. I, I still have five elite eights. Him, him and John Calipari. The whole I'm gonna kick your ass next time you see. I'll kick your ass. I love it. I love him. But he never made a final four. And so Jed's question to me, and apparently Chad was on the text chain, and so you should be too, Rick. But shame on Jed for not texting you. Is who's the best coach to not make a final four? I mean. How many, how many people can you guys name that was the best coach in the history 
of an entire conference? Um, well, I've, I've got I've got three guys that I really like. Cheney's one of them, obviously, because that's why the question came up. I mean, John's a, was such a good coach. Gene Cady at, at, at Purdue. I mean, Gene Cady. Gene Cady is not the best coach ever in the history of the Big Ten. I realize that. I'm just telling you. But, but Cady's a good one. Gene Cady. Norm Stewart. Norm Stewart had one of the best teams. In fact, he had a team that was ranked number one in the country that had John Sunbold, who was a, is a broadcaster. Whether you've heard him or not, I don't know. But John Sunbold was a great broadcaster, shooting guard. Steve Zipanovich, who played in the NBA, was a seven-foot center. He had dudes. They were number one in the country and didn't get to the Final Four. So those are my guys. Gene Cady, Norm Stewart, and, and, and John Cheney. Those are my three. So I'm, I'm interested to hear from both of you. And apparently you, Chad Brendel, have a guy that you are passionate about. Who are we talking about? I'm talking about the best coach in the history of the American Athletic Conference. Fran well, that, Dunphy. Oh, that's a good call. I love Fran. I, I'm a big Fran fan. Big Fran. I'm fan. only half kidding. I know. Fran, but, Fran but, is an outstanding but, coach. But, but, he, but, the, but, but, but it's not Memorial. It's not the Fran Dunphy Memorial Tournament yet, right? Correct. Not yet. No, but it's the Fran Dunphy Memorial American Athletic Conference Coach of the Year. Okay, there you go. There it is. But he's not dead, so he so he can't do Memorial. <laughs> it's uh, it's you know it's it's having some fun with Fran continued to win uh, AAC Coach of the Year after his team finishing like fourth every year. Correct. Um, it's Cheney. It, it has to be Cheney. I mean, Katie would probably be the closest I could think of. They're close. Yep. But I. Cheney I'm telling you, I'm so... telling you, I, I know you guys are younger than me, both of you. Go look up Norm, Norm Stewart. I mean, man, he had some good teams. Yeah, yeah but the thing is, really Cheney, Cheney was knocking out the door so many different times. Yes. Like he, he got five to so elite many elite eights. eights. That's is that what thing. it was? Five? Is that right? Is that Cheney? Yeah. Five, yeah. Five elite wow. eights. Yeah, that, that's the one where I just don't know how it could be anyone other than him for that reason alone. I mean, I think Dumphy would be on that list. Katie's probably second. I think you guys are right about those two. Um, I mean, what I, I think this gets blown out of proportion, but the one guy that always gets brought up in the modern era is Sean Miller. I, I don't know. Yeah. Where you think he stacks no, it's fair. No, it's, it's, it's right. He's, he's right or wrong. Whether he sweats, sweats through his shirt or not, he's a great coach. Yeah. He spent a lot and of money. He yeah, spent a say, lot of money on recruits in Arizona, not to make final four. Good, good point. That, that was, that's the part of it. I mean, there's, there, it's pretty obvious. He has uh, had some help in doing so, but I, you know, I, I, I have feelings about most teams doing that at this point. Good, Look, good, I don't, good I don't necessarily mind. Like, I don't care that he, that he, that they've cheated, but if you're going to cheat, like they've cheated, you should make a final four. I would I mean, agree. I, I don't, I think Sean Miller, like we get th this debate came up on my board just the other day about rank the Xavier coaches. And I always put Chris Mack ahead of Sean Miller and, and Thad Mata ahead of Sean Miller. I don't, I am not you. all that enamored with Sean Miller as a head coach, but um, he definitely gets players and he definitely gets them to play hard and play his style. So it's not that he's a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't, I wouldn't have him as top three on this list. I don't think. I mean, as think about active this guys. Uh, Sean's way up there. Yeah. He's probably the active guys. Yeah, probably no. The, the hard one, the ones I have trouble with is like, um, like a Bob McKillop who, I mean, he hasn't, he's had right. But, but I mean, chance, he got, he, yeah, he got to, yeah, right. He got to an elite eight with, 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 with Steph Curry, but did he really belong? I mean, no, probably not. Yeah. Well, yeah, he did. He, he got Steph Curry. So of course right. he belonged, like he belonged well, that, year, that year. Yes, but it's, we didn't he, know. He Steph had a guy. Steph Dude, he had a guy. Then. Right. Correct. He had a guy, but, but yeah. But my, but my question is, I mean, I think he is a great coach. I mean, he has a 
billion wins. And I think, you know, so many coaches credit him for the stuff they run and, and, no, they right. ideas I, from and stuff like, I think he is an all time good head coach that just decided he was hey. in the right spot and decided to stay there. But how do you compare that to, I mean, he hasn't had the teams to go to the final four. So it makes it tough for me to compare him to like a Katie or a Cheney. Rick, Rick. What I would say, what, what I would say on McKillop is he had one shot and he got to the elite eight. Like that's, that's damn pretty impressive. damn good for Davidson. Right. No like, I think the dude can definitely coach. There's no doubt in my mind. I think he's one of the best coaches. It's just hard for this specific right. question to put him above some of those guys. Rick, Rick remember this, the, the midweek podcast podcast question was uh, my coaching staff. And who did I put on my coaching staff? Bob McKillop. I put Bob McKillop on there for his offensive genius. Yeah, I had to done. do it. Yeah. There's I no had... question. No, I thought it was a great question. I just, I you mean, know, Dunphy uh, is in kind of that same mold, I would say, as McKillop. In a lot of ways. And, and, and Chan, I think you're right. I, I I think John Chaney is the guy you're like, man, it's sad. He should have made a final four. I mean, think about it. He that. ran that zone. He was so yeah, the, ma- nice. the match. The matchup zone was great. The matchup zone was the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, Huggins, you go. I mean, that's the thing about Chaney is I, I remember Chaney throughout my entire basketball life because they were always a thorn in Huggins side because Huggins team could never figure out that zone. So they were tough. They were physical. They 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 played like hell for him. Like oh yeah, he seems like a guy that you would just have loved to have have been around. I, like there's, I would love to have covered John Cheney. No question. Yeah, like absolutely. that would have been amazing to spend time with that dude and cover that guy's teams and like really get to know the ins and outs of like how he ticked. Here's the thing, though. Would you have been there for the six a.m. practice? Hell no. I've, I've done a couple 6 a.m. things. Uh, I've 6 a.m. is not my thing. He was a big 6 a.m. practice guy. You had to be there, baby. But Got he showed it. up at like 7.30 for those well, 6 a.m. practices with a cup of coffee. It don't matter. Yeah, Everybody <laughs> else got to be there. It don't matter. You got to be there. It's the way it works. All right, boys, I let would, me leave you this. I'm, I'm going to go final, final take for you, Rick Boring, or you've already done it. Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't think we're going to have conference tournaments. That's really? that's my conclusion at Man. this point. Yeah, you are such a Debbie Downer. I want to punch you right through this freaking microphone. But I anyway. hope I'm wrong. I mean, I'd, I'd love to call the Horizon League tournament again. I had a lot of fun doing it last year. I love winning the NKU Invitational, but that um, I just don't know that's going to happen. All right, I'm going to punch you. I'll see you some point. I'll punch you in the mouth when I see you. But okay. can't wait. All right. I know that. Um, how about you, Chad Brennan? I, I, outside of UK, Texas being canceled, I thought the the SEC Big Twelve ta- Challenge was a lot of fun Saturday. Yeah. I, there was there was a lot of really good games in there that were interesting, and um, I mean, I, the Big Ten is probably the best league this year. Mm. Yeah, probably. Mm. But the SEC and the Big Twelve are is the ACC. I, I guess this is my my fi- is the ACC fourth this year. I'm not a big big SEC guy at the point. I. Yeah, just, Alabama's really good. They are really Auburn good. Auburn is dangerous. Tennessee's dangerous. Auburn's dangerous because of the kid, but they they can't get to the tournament, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I but the ACC is not good at all. Yeah, good point. Maybe there'll be forty-seven teams that we've never heard of that make the tournament. Maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't is think it, that's going to happen. Okay. No, I don't think. I think we've heard of most of them. Okay, Charleston Southern. Good luck. <laughs> maybe, maybe they make it. All right, boys. Appreciate the time as always. 
For uh, Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com and Chad Brander from BearcatJournal.com, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's a skinny podcast, the weekly college basketball edition.